the thing we think about Palm Sunday is the triumphal entry, right? And we're in a series called More and More Jesus, Significant Events in the Life and Ministry of Jesus. And I don't know if you read the seven chapters we read, but uh, it's Matthew um, 15 through 21. And there's two pretty significant events. I mean, there's a lot, and that's the hard thing with preaching seven chapters a week. It's like, eh, you know. Uh, but the tr- transfiguration, if that doesn't light, light up your tree, like, and I, I don't know if you know what I mean on that, by that, but like, guys, how many times did Jesus go to the mountain? Now, we know the one time he brought three witnesses, but how many times did he go up to the mountain? His face light up, his clothes white. He meet with people. Meet with his father. Why do we feel like that's so unattainable? If Jesus is our model, our example, shouldn't we be trying to climb the mountain? Whether it's in your bedroom or actual mountain, and get alone with God in the secret place and just let him light you up. That's the transfiguration. That's a huge event. And I hope that you understand it, it could be huge in your life as well. But then the triumphal entry, right? He got the whole backstory. I'm not going to read it all, but uh, he's fulfilling prophecy that he's going to ride in on a humble donkey versus a big white horse, right? Like a king. He's going to be a different kind of king. He's going to be a humble king. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. Chapter uh, 21, verse 7 now. They brought the donkey and the, uh, and the colt and put, them, uh, put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting. I mean, these people were not afraid to praise the Lord. This is cool. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I mean, that's pretty good stuff. Keep reading. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Yeah, if Jesus came to church, we'd all be kind of whipped up too. Uh, that's why I'm whipped up, because he's here. Right? And they said this. Who is this? That's kind of the premise for the whole message for me today, is who is this? Do you recognize Jesus? If he walked in the room, would you see him? Would you know it was him? Or would you be expecting something different? I think that's a fair question when we look at the Pharisees, the churchy people, the religious people, the people that set up the church, tore down the church, you know, the people that were heavily involved. The leadership, so to speak. And the crowd said, this is what the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Their best information said, this guy's really good. 
He's a prophet. He's a man of God. I want to submit to you, they missed it. He's not a prophet. There's a lot of false religions that say he's a prophet. He's the Son of God. He is the person in flesh, God Almighty. You don't want to miss that. So what we're going to do today, we're going to spend some time recognizing who Jesus is, right? I'm going to give you a couple things on that. But before I do, um, uh, I have something for you, right? You remember what uh, two weeks ago was? B? What does it stand for? Because people matter, God reconciles. Man, some of you guys looked at me like I didn't know. Didn't we do the wave last week? I mean, you guys aren't in that section anymore. We can't do it. Because people matter, God reconciles. I want you to leave this series with those five words, five messages, right? Because people matter, God reconciles. You need to know that. You matter to God and he came for you. All right, now, B, I I preached two words the first week. What are they? Birth and baptism. The birth and baptism of Christ through belief. All right? All right. Now, power and peace. P was last week, right? Power and peace through prayer. All right? And then this week, we got the M. What do you think it's going to be? Ooh, mercy. We got a mercy out there. It's all good. Miracles. Yeah, I'd love to preach on miracles. There's a lot of them. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about uh, two, two, yeah, Messiah for sure. Two important names. Two important names of Jesus, right? You got to know these. You got to understand these two very important names that Jesus goes by. You, you want to recognize Jesus by these names. If you're looking for something other than this, you might miss it. You might miss him. Even if he was in the room, you might be like, I, I don't know. All right? There it is. M. So flip back to chapter 15. That's where we started. People came to Jesus, and you could kind of tell, if you look closely, um, who knew him, who recognized him, and who didn't. When they called him rabbi or teacher, they didn't recognize him. They didn't know him. They didn't, they didn't know his authority. But when they called him Lord, Master, they knew who he was. You're going to see that in just a second. So, two very important names to recognize Jesus by even today. Like, they recognized him by that. The people that really recognized him recognized him by these names. And the people that didn't recognize him Call them other things. Sometimes heretic. Right? How many guys, I mean, we're kind of reading through the New Testament. How many of you guys read this week? Right? Because I'm trying, okay, good. So quite a few of you. Okay, so I'm going to, 
I'm going to just do a little exercise, okay? So, do you recognize Jesus? Yes, if you do. No, if you don't. I'm not sure. That's going to help me preach, okay? I'm not sure if I'd recognize him or not. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't recognize him if he was in the room. I would, okay? No judgment. We're just voting. Okay, one, two, three. All right? He's like, you didn't give that as an option. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Do you recognize Jesus? So I'm going to ask you guys that read the scriptures, okay? Give me some people who didn't recognize Jesus in the scriptures. Pharisees for sure, number one. First, this is kind of like family feud. You guys want to go against these guys? Okay, we could just like put people up here. Buzzers and all, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> Number one answer, Pharisees. <laughs> Number two answer, Sadducees. Scribes, chief priests, elders. That's five. You know what Jesus says about these guys? The church leaders. Be careful. He says, beware. Because when they teach men's authority, wisdom, as doctrine, run. Wow. These guys want to be in charge, but, versus, I'm a child. Right? Isn't that what Jesus preaches? Be a child. Who's in charge when I'm a child? Daddy. Daddy's in charge. When I'm a child, dad's in charge. So don't go to church to be in charge. Don't play in charge. Be a child. Be a child. That means dad's in charge. That's good. That's good. Okay. Now, who did recognize, because this gets more exciting, who did recognize that Jesus was in authority. John the Baptist, yep. Sinners, yep. Demons. The demons are like, whoa! We know who you are. And they, they, like, he cast them out and they went. People who were healed knew he was in charge. The centurion knew he was in charge. The woman we're going to talk about, if you're in chapter 15, look at verse 21. She knew he was in charge. You're going to see it. Her daughter found out pretty quick he was in charge when it changed her life. The needy people, I mean, we did say sick, but the lame, the blind, the cripple, and the mute knew that Jesus was in charge. They knew Jesus. Matter of fact, when he cast out all those religious people that were trying to make money on the church, on the temple, on the religious activities. Who entered? Who did he make room for? What did it say? The lame, the cripple, the blind, the mute. Then they could come in. The people that didn't have enough money to buy the right thing to offer the sacrifice, or they were unholy or unclean or defiled, they could come in when Jesus was in charge. That's good news. How about this? The loaves and the fish. <laughs> I'm writing lists down, and I'm like, hold on, wait, feeding of 5,000. 
the loaves and the fish knew who was in charge. They recognized Jesus' authority. They're like, yep, more, 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 more. Seven baskets full more. The disciples recognized Jesus, although they were yet a little confused. In our passage, he said three times, I am going to be killed. And on the third time, he says, I'm going to be killed by crucifixion. And every time he told them, killed, killed, crucified, he said, and I will raise from the dead. What in the world, guys? Plain English. For Aramaic. <laughs> Hebrew. How about this? What really matters is Father God knew Jesus was in charge, right? Because he was the one giving him the authority through the Spirit who was endowed on him to be in control of all these things that we just talked about. And on the transfiguration, did you catch that? What did, what did God, the Father, who Jesus gives us access to, what did God the Father say to the disciples? What did he say? He, what? He said, listen. So we're all here, and what are we doing? We're listening. I'm here, and I want to I wanna listen. My daughter made this. I thought it was really cool. What a great reminder. This is what God would say to you today if he had one word to preach this message. My, my beloved son, listen to Jesus. All right, so let's listen to Jesus. Are you ready to do that? Okay. Chapter 15, verse 21 and Jesus went away from there, withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Do you know where the district of Tyre and Sidon is? Are you familiar with the Middle East? Yes, no? No, okay. All right, so that's why they have maps in the back of your Bible. This is really cool. Palestine in the time of Jesus. Somebody did a lot of work, so I don't have to. And so Palestine in the time of Jesus. So you have, you know, the Mediterranean. Whoa, notes flying everywhere. You have it in the Mediterranean Sea here. Okay? Mediterranean Sea right here. And you've got Galilee right here. Most of his ministry was done around the Sea of Galilee. Occasionally he would go down here to Jerusalem and, you know, clean house. Right? Teach a little bit. All right? And then he'd come back up here, primarily up here because these guys weren't too happy with him. All right, but now what happens in both of the stories we're going to look at today, what happens is Jesus goes, I got to get away. So he goes up to Tyre and Sidon, that's this reason here, 25, 30 miles northwest. And then the other time he goes up to Caesarea Philippi, 25 miles northeast from his home base where he was doing ministry, all right? So that's, that's what the maps will do for you in the back of the Bible. Isn't that cool? All right, so he goes up northwest to get away. You know what I did last night? 
God was like, you need an illustration. Okay, yeah, I get an illustration. I was like, want to get away? You ever, you ever watch that? Any of those commercials? Yeah. When some guy is dancing at a party and is like making all, cutting a rug and all that, and then all of a sudden he knocks over all the sound equipment. Want to get away? $49 to, <laughs> you know, that, it's kind of like Jesus is like, I want to get away. And it's not because he did anything wrong. It's not because he blew up something or. There's so many good ones. Anyway, you go look. I can't, I can't digress. Okay. Why did he want to get away? Why did he withdraw? I think that's important. Sure. He needed to get away from the crowds to teach his disciples. He also had divine appointments with certain people, like this woman. Okay? He went up there for the woman. Right? But, I think there's more. Look at chapter 14. The death of John the Baptist. You're a human. I'm a human. When my grandma died and I was in college, Grandma Ethel, I flew home from a soccer game, missed a soccer game, to be at her funeral. When I flew back, I didn't even want to play soccer anymore. I'm just flat out. I'm a college athlete. I just don't want to play anymore. Why? You ever been in that spot? Yeah. I think we can all relate to Jesus wanting to get away. Not only that, look in chapter 15. The Pharisees and scribes come to him and they're like, why, 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 why? So not only death of good friend, right? Ministry partner. But then you also have people questioning you left and right. Telling you you're a bad guy. And the people that follow you are a bad guy. I mean, there's a lot here that make Jesus want to get away. So, we got that? That clear? Alright, so he wants to get away. He withdraws to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Getting away from the crowds. Getting alone with his father. Great, perfect. And behold, listen now. A Canaanite woman. What's significant about that? She's a Gentile. She's a woman. Women are not respected in this culture. Jesus respects her. She's Canaanite. She's heathen. They were supposed to wipe the Canaanites out. The Jews were supposed to push them out. Kill them. From that region came out and was saying, I want you to watch what she says, have mercy on me. Now, mercy, what do you think of when you think of mercy? She's saying a lot in that statement. She's saying, hey, I need help. But she's not just saying I need help in desperation. It's desperate. She's not reaching out out of frustration. She's reaching out out of 
desperation. That's good. She's not frustrated with her situation. She's desperate to have the one who she knows can do something, do something about it. Have mercy on me. Oh, Lord. She calls him master. And then she says, son of David. That's basically calling him Messiah. So those are the two names I'm going to get after. Master and Messiah. Okay? Let's start with the first one. Jesus is my humble master. And let's just look at it from here. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Well, that takes insight right there. This lady is not dumb. A lot of people are inflicted with a demon, don't even know it. There's a lot of people walking around you, oppressed by demons, don't even know it. But this lady's like, my daughter's sick, and I know why. It's spiritual, it's a demon, and I want it gone. This lady's fighting for her family. That's admirable. And we need to do that. We need to fight for our family. Whether it's our immediate family or our church family. we got to fight. All right. And who are we going to fight with? The master. We want to fight with him and, and, and together with him, right? We don't want to fight against him. We want to fight with him. Together with him. All right. So, but he did not answer her a word. Now that seems rude. Right? I mean, when you read this and then later she's going to call, get called a dog by Jesus, like what? Now let's just break it down, right? Because Jesus is kind to ladies. Jesus is kind to Gentiles. Take the whole Bible. Don't take one passage and interpret this passage through the whole Bible. People flip that around all the time. Oh, this is my one pet passage. The whole Bible has to fit into it. Okay. Just, just think now. But he did not answer her a word. Has he ever done that with you? <laughs> yes, he has! I prayed and 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 prayed. Nothing. Why? I think this passage helps you understand why. God's working. God's making you stronger. He's drawing out your faith. He's going, hey, I know you want it, but do you really want me? I know you want it, but do you really want me? So he doesn't say a word. And his disciples, I love these guys. It's like a bunch of jesters. <laughs> they, they're like... It's like everywhere they go, it's like a circus. And these guys are like, come on, man. Disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Send her away. She's crying out after us. And what happens? She's 
standing there. You ever talk about somebody when they're like right there? Send her away, Jesus. She's crying out after us. Yeah, like she's right here. Help me, help me, help me. It's just hilarious. Maybe he's going to turn to him and say, you give him something to eat. You know, like you did with the feeding of 5,000? No. All right. But he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this lady picks up on it. She's like, well, I'm a lost sheep. You want to bring up lost sheep? Here, right over here. Me. Pick me. She takes what Jesus says to the disciples and she runs with it. She's like, I'm the lost sheep. This lady, she wants Jesus. Probably more than we want Jesus, if we're going to be honest. Most of us, when he doesn't answer, we're like, well, fine then. I'll do it my way. And we go, we do it our own way. But she stuck with it. She was persistent. And she picked up on the words he said, and she said, but she said, she came and knelt before him. What's this? This is submission. This is, this is saying something to someone. When you kneel before somebody, what are you saying? You're in authority. I am not in authority. You, I need help. I'm the lost sheep. You could help me. You're my master. That's what you're saying. So she kneels down and she says, Lord, help me. Or does she say, Lord, help me. How does she say it? Help me, God. I need you. You ever been there? I've been there. I need you. Help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, that's just borderline offensive. Except for if you study the scriptures. The word he uses for dog is puppy. Is family pet. Is indoor dog. But the word used in the scripture other times of dogs as negative things is a mangy mutt. I won't even say the B word. That's what it is. It's a defiled, it's a gross, it's an outcast dog. It's like a really bad term. But not here. He says, hey. I was sent. No, he says, it is not right to take the children's bread. I'm not going to take the bread I was given from God to give to his kids and give it to a puppy. No, Todd would. Because he loves his puppy. If you have a puppy, you would do it too. All right, so you get this. If you have a puppy, you're like, hey, I get that. And she said, oh, lights are flashing now. She's like, yes, God. You didn't call me a dog. You called me a puppy. That's a fond term. You love me. I'm not a kid yet. 
Maybe I'll never be. But I'm able to be under the table. She says, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Yes, Lord, I agree with you, Lord. I'm not a child. But I'm under the table, and if you would just give me a couple crumbs, I'll be satisfied. Now just take this for what it's worth. Christ has died and he's risen. You're a son or daughter of his. You get bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You don't get crumbs. So don't eat like you're getting crumbs. Right? Eat bread. Get in the Word. Start eating this. Spend some time with the Lord. You're a son and a daughter of God. You're not a puppy. Cute and cuddly, too. And Jesus answered her, Oh, woman. Now we've got there, right? I knew you wanted something. But now I know you want me. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. When Jesus gets excited, take notice. What is he excited about? Her faith. Every aspect of her faith, but especially her persistence. Be it done for you as you desire. I love that he says that. Be it done for you as you desire. So then it's up to who? It's up to her heart motive. I think a lot of times when Jesus wants to do something, it's up to your heart motive. Let it be like you desire. Okay, well then now it's on me. What are actually my motives and desires? Jesus is so wise. And her daughter was healed instantly that very hour. Now, two important names to recognize Jesus by. The first one is, Jesus is my humble master. So, there's so many other stories about masters in this seven chapters. Chapter 20 tells about the laborers, right? Master. Chapter 18 talks about the king that's going to settle up accounts. At the end, it says master. King, master. It's the same thing. Lord, king, master. In 21, you got another parable. Master. Jesus knows who he is. But Jesus also knows he has to teach people what a master really is. Do you know what? I looked up the definitions. There's 37 definitions of master. That's a lot of definitions. Usually you get one, two, maybe three. If it's a lot, it's maybe seven, maybe ten. There's 37 different definitions. But I've read through some of them. I didn't read through all of them. I read through some of them, and I'm like, no, 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 not Jesus. And then one definition is Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jesus said, it's not like the Gentiles. It's not like the rulers who lorded over you. It's different. It's humble. You want to be first? Be last. Choose to be last. 
That's good for Holy Week. This week, choose to be last. All right. So much more I want to say. I just I want to get to the punchline right here. Um, so since it's Holy Week, I want to challenge you with something, right? We have a master, Jesus Christ. And I believe the master's worthy. Now, he's humble. He's not dictating, and he's not going to tell you you have to do this or that. But if you ask him what he wants, I think he'll tell you. All right, so here's the challenge. Next week is Easter. We've never done this before. We, we don't do participation all the time, but we've never done this before. And now we're kind of doing something new with participation. So why wouldn't it be different at Easter, right? So here's what I want you to consider doing. I want you to consider preparing something this week to bring with you next week for Easter, Easter Sunday. Okay, so it might be a song. I know there's a couple people that I've talked to that are preparing to play a song for us. Okay, that's great. It might be a poem or a spoken word, or maybe it's a passage of scripture you memorized. Maybe you paint. Maybe it's a painting. Maybe you draw. Maybe you write sweet notes like Alicia does, and you could just write a note and just read it. I don't know, and here's the thing. As I'm speaking and giving ideas, I'm like limiting you. The box is getting like, I'm trying to make the box bigger, but it's still a box. Do you see that? Okay, so go to your master, Jesus Christ, who's humble, and ask him, even persistently, what would you like me to bring? All right, and then we're all going to bring something next week. I have no idea what I'm bringing. Maybe a message. I don't know. <laughs> we're all going to bring something, right, that God says. And either we'll display it in the lobby. You, you kind of have to, like, help me figure it out, right? Because I'm just, this is an idea, all right? Or, or you can do it during our, our participation time or whatnot, okay? That's the application of this point. Please, okay? Ask God what he would have you bring a sacrifice. Maybe it's money. I don't know. Whatever. Like, you're like, I don't have any talents. Oh, I have money. Okay, well, that's a talent. Whatever. Giving's a talent. However you decide to give, you can give. I'm still just trying to make boxes so you can fit in. That's, I'm done. All right. Flip over to the next passage. Chapter 16. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to read it for you. This happens at Caesarea Philippi, and uh, here's the next point. Two important names to know Jesus by or to recognize Jesus by. First is humble master. Second is healing Messiah. All right? Healing Messiah. Now, let me read it. Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he's walking with his disciples. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, who was dead, so resurrected John. Others say Elijah, who is supposed to be a forerunner to the Messiah. You must be showing us the way. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's what they said in chapter 21, right? He's one of the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth. Not far off. He said to them, let this ring in your ears as you leave this place. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? 
Let that hang out there a second. How long did it take? Peter's impulsive. You would expect him to answer first, right? But how many times have they answered wrong? (laughs) How many times has he had to correct them? At what point did they get a little sheepish, like, yeah, maybe you should tell us the answer, Jesus? (laughs) You know? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Isn't that what we've been working on this week, this year, this month, (laughs) this theme more and more? God saying things to us and us speaking for him. Right? Well, that happens right here. Peter, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. That's Greek. Hebrew is Messiah. The son of the living God. You're God. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one. You're the anointed one. And Jesus answered him, not, hey, let me correct your theology, not, hey, this or that. He answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Come on, man. Right answer. And because it's the right answer, perfect answer, I know it wasn't you. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged them, the disciples, to tell no one that he was the Christ, Messiah, the anointed one. Like, I'm confused. People weren't ready yet. He hadn't died yet. It wasn't time yet. Is it time now? So I would just refer you back to our messages from uh, about a year ago. Stay. It's time to stay. Until you're anointed, it's time to go when you're anointed. Does that make sense? Stay to go. Like, that's not confusing. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Stay in the city until you receive power from on high, from the Holy Spirit. When you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, go. And when they went, what happened? Power. So if you're going to your workplace and it's like wah, 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 then what should you check? See if the power's on. Right? I mean, that's what I would do if the lights are out. Is the power on? Maybe I'd go to the fuse box. Is the power on? That's just normal behavior. Everywhere but in church. In church, we're like, well, no, I know this and that. It's like, just follow the line. All right, so I, 
Messiah means anointed one. It's healer. Now, here's the thing. You ever had athlete's foot? Sorry, this just got gross fast. It burns, it itches. But then you put some what? Some ointment, some salve on it. And it cools it. And it can even make it go away. Right? Sometimes my wife has back issues, right? And so, you know, we have this like orthosport, like oil. It's like rub that down, right? And that helps it feel better. You get the idea, okay? You know what? Jesus is that to you. Jesus is the balm to your burning soul. You apply Jesus. And you have freedom from pain. You have power to practice the things he wants you to do. That's what the passage is teaching them. That's why Jesus is so excited. Jesus is like doing cartwheels, you know? Backflips. Doesn't say that in scriptures. All right, got to preach the scriptures. Jesus has an exclamation point on the end of his sentence. He's excited because Peter gets it. Jesus, you're the anointed one. You're the one that's going to soothe our pain. You're the one that's going to set us free. You're the one that's going to give us the power to serve you, our master. That's good stuff. So I come back to it. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just a good guy? Maybe it's the guy up on the cross in the church. Maybe it's just Bible stories, right? Old Testament Bible stories that I heard when I was growing up as a kid. That's the Jesus I know. Who do you say Jesus is? I mean, when you call back to mind Jesus, who is he? That matters. If he's your master, humble master, you'll follow him. You'll follow him. And if he's your Messiah, you'll put your faith in him as the only one who can heal you. We all enter with sin, right? Don't we? We all have something we need to be touched up, right? Rub that out, God. I got some, you know, could you put a little ointment on that? Because I got some sin right there. We all have got that. We all need his healing touch today. So I thought we might end our service this way. I asked Larissa to sing a song. And I'm just wondering if we could learn something from these stories how to posture ourselves. Right? 
acknowledging that he's my master. What to ask for. What do I ask for? Healing. Healing. I need healing. I need help. And he's the only one that can give it to me. 